You know, today is uh, the anniversary of what we often refer to as 9-11. You know, the, the great terrorist attack that took place on our country's soil Tuesday morning, September 11, 2001, starting around 8.14 a.m. And although it's, only, it's been 21 years since that day occurred, probably most of us here remember it as if it was yesterday. You probably even remember where you were when it happened. I remember uh, very well. I was in, uh, a sophomore in college. I was in my economics class that morning, and people were walking in, and they kept talking about these things. I kept hearing these words, Twin Towers, and I kept hearing Osama bin Laden. And I didn't know what any of that meant. I didn't really pay particular close to the news at that age in my life, and so I didn't know what anyone was talking about. But a few hours later, the, the school shut down, and so I understood that something serious must have taken place. Again, the, the single worst act of terrorism on the United States soil took place at the World Trade Center in New York City, the, the U.S. Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and in the skies over Pennsylvania. A total of almost 3,000 people lost their lives that day. And we can think back to you know, the, the World Trade Centers and remember how impressive they were. You remember how impressive they were? 110 stories high. It cost $1.5 billion, billion dollars to construct these buildings. Seven years to finish. But yet it took only a couple of minutes for those 767 Boeing airliners hijacked to take those towers down. And do you remember the story of the bravery of those who were on Flight 93? Remember, this was the flight that was over uh, the, the skies of Pennsylvania. Supposedly, uh, that plane was hijacked and was en route to Washington, D.C. You know, I don't know if we necessarily know if it was headed towards the White House or somewhere else, maybe Congress or, or, or somewhere else. But uh, the passengers knew. They knew what was going on. They were, they were talking on the phone with their family, and they knew what was going on. And remember the bravery and the action that took place where they decided, you know, we're not going to let that happen. And, and if you remember, uh, there's the black box that they recovered from the scene, and you could hear the words of the man say, let's get them. And so they, they took over the control of the plane and crashed it into the fields in Pennsylvania and saved the intended target, even though they all lost their lives that day as well. Singer-songwriter, country music star Daryl Worley wrote a song, Have You Forgotten? You know, maybe that name sounds familiar to you because he was just here in Columbia about a year ago uh, performing. And if you've seen that song or listened to that song or maybe seen the music video to it, you know that it's all about not forgetting the travesty of that day. You know, the lyrics to that song go, have you forgotten how it felt that day to see your homeland under fire and her people blown away? And the message of that song uh, as he's, uh, as he's uh, singing, uh, saying, you know, people want us to forget those memories. They're taking them off the television. And the, the message of that song was, have you forgotten how it felt that day? We can never forget those things. And so here we are this morning, 21 years later. And again, I think most everyone my age and above, you remember this day as if it was yesterday. You know, maybe if you're my age and younger, maybe not so much. Maybe it didn't have as much of a lasting impact. But this morning, I want to bring that question, that song uh, title to your attention here this morning. Have we forgotten? You know, there are some days that you and I should never forget. The single darkest moment in history took place almost 2,000 years ago. Yes, 21 years ago was a dark day in the history of this country. But almost 2,000 years ago, 
was one of the darkest moments that ever happened, or the darkest moment, where three individuals were violently put to death, and one of them being the sinless, suffering servant, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, by the hands of godless men, Peter said, was nailed to the cross. And so this morning, we want to ask ourselves, have we forgotten about that day? Have we forgotten how he felt that day? Have we forgotten how we felt that day? You know, you and I weren't there. You and I, we don't have uh, videotape evidence to go back and sort of see what happened that day. But we read it through the scriptures. And what about that day when you read that maybe for the first time and you realized that uh, by the sins that, that we commit in this life, that we played a part of putting him there on the cross? Jacob just read for us 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, which really is a theme verse for the Apostle Paul. Again, he said, I determined to know nothing about you except Christ and him crucified. And so that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. But before uh, we uh, talk more about that, I want to take us to uh, maybe an obscure passage in the book of Numbers. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to come uh, join me in Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. You know, speaking of forgetting, uh, this is an account that, you know, if we blink, we might miss it. Uh, This is near the end of the 40-year wandering in the wilderness. Actually, actually, chapter 20 is quite packed with a lot of information. Miriam, the sister of Moses, dies. Uh, Moses strikes the rock twice. You remember that? And because of that, he could not go into the the promised land later on. They asked Edom, the country of Edom, if they could pass through on their way to Canaan. And, of course, Edom told them no. And so that they're going to have to go around their territory. And also Aaron, the brother of Moses, dies. So a lot happens in Numbers chapter 20. Well, notice here when we get to Numbers chapter 21, starting in verse 4. It says, Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord, and you and you intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, take a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard, and it came about that if the serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Do you remember this account in Numbers 21? Again, it's so short that we might blink, if we blink, we might miss it. But here we have, again, the people of Israel grumbling out in the wilderness wandering. They're constantly grumbling. And here's another case where they're grumbling. And so as punishment, God sends these fiery serpents, these these snakes to uh, go among the people and bite them. And many people died from these bite marks or these bites. Uh, And so because of that, the people beg Moses to intercede to God and get rid of the serpents. Well, of course, Moses is instructed to make a serpent... And set it, on a, set it on a pole. And it, he's told if someone was bit, all they had to do was look upon that serpent and they would live. They would be healed. And so Moses makes a serpent uh, out of brass and he puts it on a pole. What's the point of this short account here in Numbers? 
Well, Jesus tells us in the New Testament that the bronze serpent was a type of Christ and that this account is pointing to the cross of Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Jesus says this, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Again, Jesus said, As Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man will be lifted up. And again, this Old Testament account is pointing to the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. That bronze serpent was a shadow of Jesus Christ on the cross. And there are many lessons that we could take uh, this morning uh, about that. You know, we could talk about the, the, how the poison of those serpents were deadly. And also today, how the poison of sin is deadly. How that bronze serpent was on a pole. And again, how Jesus was on a pole of sorts on that cross. And that the antidote then was uh, looking upon that cross or that pole, and the antidote today is Jesus Christ. In fact, have you ever noticed that on our uh, you know, universal medical uh, symbol that there's a, a serpent wrapped around a pole? Where do you think the world got that from? They got that from uh, Moses. Moses made only one. And again, there is salvation in no one else. News had to spread about this in order for people to understand and to go and look upon that pole And we need to preach the gospel today. People had to obey the commands of Moses to be healed. And again, today, people must obey the gospel to live. And so, you know, we, again, we might forget that passage there in Numbers chapter 21. And if Jesus never made that link for us here in John chapter 3, we probably wouldn't either. But the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ, a symbol of destruction and death and shame, but yet also... A symbol of victory. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 23, Paul says to some, the cross is a stumbling block to some. It's foolishness. They just can't understand what this is all about. What is this cross all about? But Paul said in Galatians chapter two, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we're also admonished in the gospel accounts in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, that we are to take up our cross daily and follow him. So this morning, again, the question we want to ask ourselves is, have we forgotten about that day? Have we forgotten about the cross of Christ? And I just want to take a moment this morning to talk to you about a few of these. Have we forgotten about the promise of the cross? You know, the day of the the crucifixion of Jesus did not just happen. You know, it wasn't coincidental. It wasn't just something that happened out of happenstance. But this was a day that was planned long before the creation of the world. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, the Apostle John says that the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Right? This, was in Jesus, this was in God's mind from the beginning of the world before the foundation of the world that Jesus was going to be slain. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, uh, the Peter writes that it was foreknown, again, was foreknown before the foundation of the world that this would happen. And when Peter is preaching the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, he says that it was the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God for Jesus to, to die and to enact the plan of salvation. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul refers to it as the eternal purpose that was carried out by Christ. Again, the scheme of redemption, the church, all of these things was the eternal purpose. That's because these things were purposed in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. 
If you're still in the Old Testament, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. You know, I've brought up this chapter many, many times. Isaiah chapter 53, which is such a messianic chapter. All 12 verses you can read and you can see these verses pointing to Jesus, pointing to the Savior, uh, the suffering servant. And again, these uh, words were written by Isaiah some 700 to 750 years before Christ uh, lived on the earth. But notice, and we're just going to read verse 5 here this morning, but uh, listen as I read verse 5. Listen to the tense of the verbs as I read this passage. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. Do you notice how the Bible writer Isaiah, how he wrote uh, those verses? He was pierced through. He was crushed for our iniquities. His scourgings, by his scourgings, we are healed. He's writing as if those things had already happened, as if they had already taken place. Well, again, Jesus isn't going to live for another 750 years. So how could that be? Because in the mind of God, these things were certain. These things were going to take place. The promise of the cross, that Jesus would suffer upon that cross. Same thing we get in Psalm chapter 22. Again, another messianic chapter in the Bible. This is written by David, even further back than Isaiah, maybe a thousand years before Christ is on the earth. And in Psalm 22, verse 16, uh, David says uh, of, of the Messiah that they pierced my hands and my feet. They pierced my hands and my feet. David knows nothing, absolutely nothing about crucifixion. It's not going to come into the world for another 600 years. Yet David, uh, through the Holy Spirit, uh, is writing this messianic chapter saying, They pierced my hands and my feet. Well, again, how, why, how is he talking in the past tense if this has not happened yet? Again, because in the mind of God, this was the purpose and the promise of the cross. See, the cross was promised before the world began. And are you thankful because of the agency of the cross that God provided a way for you and I to be washed, to be sanctified, to be justified before him? And it's through the cross of Jesus Christ, his blood being the access point uh, for us to have our sins washed away. Uh, We reenact in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. We're told that we come into contact with that blood when we reenact the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or do we take those things for granted? Do we take that for granted this morning of the promise of the cross? Well, have you forgotten also the person of the cross? John chapter 1, verse 29, uh, John the Baptist declares... Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away all the sin of the world, or takes away the sin of all the world. And notice when John the Baptist is describing Jesus, first he, you know, he refers to him as the Lamb. The Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb. That, that, he, that, that's pointing to his sacrificial nature that he's going to have. The Lamb of God, he says. Right? It's not just any Lamb, but the Lamb of God. It's a special thing. And he takes away sins. In order to take away sins, he must be sinless. Again, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Later on in that chapter, John chapter 3, verse 16. Of course, this is the passage we're very familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And focus in on that phrase, he says, uh, only begotten Son. You know, some versions you might be reading from says a unique 
or one and only, or beloved son. And yes, these descriptions do fit Jesus. He was unique. He was the one and only. He was beloved. But that doesn't adequately uh, translate uh, that word uh, only begotten. The Greek word monogenes. Mono meaning only and genes meaning begotten. The only begotten son of God. See, God has many sons. You know, all, all people are children of God by creation. And Christians are, are children of God by means of the new birth. But Jesus alone is the only begotten son of God. Born of a virgin by means of the Holy Spirit. And because he was both God and man, he's qualified to be our judge. He's qualified to be our savior. He's qualified to be our mediator. We understand that sin is so great that only the blood of his only begotten son could atone for it. And he paid that debt on the cross that we cannot pay. Do you remember or have you forgotten the person of the cross? And let's notice this. The person of the cross had to deal with the pain of the cross. Have we forgotten the pain of the cross? The cross, to put it bluntly, was an instrument of death. You know, it represented the ultimate uh, demonstration of inhumanity. So, it's so sad to see how that we could be so cruel to one another. How barbaric we treated the human race. It was the ultimate instrument of pain. Do you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26, before his arrest, before he's taken away to his trials, that he, he's praying? Remember that? And he says, let, let this cup pass from me if it be your will and not mine. And he does this three times. But Luke mentions in chapter 22, verse 44 of his gospel, that while he's praying, that the, the, his sweat, is, it looks as if it's drops of blood. Sometimes we refer to this that Jesus uh, had hemodrytosis. You know, and that's a, a true medical condition today that under great emotional stress, uh, people can have you know, their, these tiny capillaries in, in their body and their sweat glands can rupture and they can actually sweat out blood. That's how stressful the, the time was for Jesus. His sweat became like drops of blood. And you can feel the emotion uh, as Jesus is praying in the garden for that. He knows what's about to happen. You know, we've all endured some physical, uh, something physically painful, I'm sure. Whether we've broken a bone before, whether we've, you know, accidentally missed that nail and hit our thumb with a hammer, or maybe a car accident. But can those things compare to the pain that Jesus felt? Those nails driven in his hands and his feet. You know, we often think of his hands as maybe uh, the nail right here, but uh, the, the to, in order for that crucifixion to last longer, it was really in his wrist, uh, right through those bones right there, so that he would stay up on that cross even longer. Uh, to crucify someone wasn't just to get it over quickly. Uh, when we think of capital punishment today, we think of you know, an electric chair or a firing squad or something that's going to take, take place soon and fast and, and get it over with. But the cross was designed to be excruciating. It was designed to keep the pain as long as possible. And so he's up there, nails driven through his wrist and his feet, held up by this rough, hewn piece of wood. And do you remember even before the crucifixion what Jesus had to endure? There was the scourging. Do you know what it means to be scourged? It was a way of adding torment. 
And many didn't even survive the scourging that they went through to even get to the cross. This was a whip that was made out of leather tongs. And at the end of the leather tongs were maybe a lead ball or maybe sharp spikes or pieces of bone. And it was meant to, as it was whipped into the back of the individual to break open the skin and again, just make it more excruciating. The Bible also tells us that Jesus was beaten with a rod, that he had that crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was forced to carry his cross to the site after these things. Again, uh, these weren't the main event, but that would come later to the crucifixion. And again, have we forgotten the pain of the cross, the pain that our Savior went through? But because of that pain, however, it, re- it reminds us, it leads us to ask, have we forgotten the power of the cross? In John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. What does he mean by that? Well, first of all, he's talking about the the crucifixion. If I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. You know, his enemies attempted to put away Jesus, to get rid of him, to destroy him. But actually, by lifting him up, they exalted him. See, his death was different. Right? His death was different in the fact that he draws men to him by offering incentives which induce them to come to him. And notice also in that verse, it's for all men. He will draw all men to myself. It's not just a special group anymore, maybe of the Jewish nation, but it's all men to be drawn to him, who will come to him and submit to him in obedience. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation What does the gospel start with? It started with his death. Without his death, there is no burial, there's no resurrection, and there's no gospel. Friends, have we forgotten the power of the cross? And then finally this morning, have we forgotten the purpose of the cross? We think of, again, the pain that our Lord and Savior went through, the the whole process of going to the cross, and we, we think, surely there had to be another way. Surely God could have uh, had another way in order for you and I to access the blood of Jesus and to have our sins washed away and to never be separated uh, with him as well. There had to have been another way. What was the purpose of the cross? He loves us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, Paul wrote, God demonstrated his great love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, there's a hymn that we sometimes sing. I, I couldn't find it in our, our hymn books this morning, but maybe it was listed under a different name. But it's called, If That Isn't Love. Are you familiar with this one? Um, he left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha, there to lay down his life for me. And then as the chorus goes, and if that isn't love, then the ocean is dry. And there's no stars in the sky, and the little sparrows can't fly. See, his sacrificial life on the cross speaks to his love for you and I. You know, and we often say, you know, that it wasn't the nails that kept him there to the cross, but it was love that kept him to the cross. And I know we can't specifically find that passage in Scripture that specifically says that, but we know the implications there. Remember in Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 53, this is before Jesus goes to the cross. This is while he's being arrested. And he says this 
in verse 53 of Matthew 26, or do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus could have came down off that cross if he wanted to. He could have at his disposal brought more than 12,000 legions uh, or 12 legions of angels to take him down there. But then in verse 54, it says, but then how then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that this must happen this way? You know, Jesus is the only one who can literally say that he loved you to death. He loved you and I to death. And because of that, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 tells us that Jesus was the propitiation of our sins. To be a propitiation means he took the place of you and I. See, you and I deserve death. You and I deserve that violent death on the cross. But because of his great love for us, he took our place so that we wouldn't have to go to that cross. He was a sinless sacrifice. He makes possible our reconciliation to God, again, through his blood that was spilt on the cross. And that blood was necessary. You know, we can read in scripture that people were sometimes executed by stoning or burning or even strangulation. So why the cross? Well, again, because blood had to be involved. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sins. And again, when Jesus is... um, instructing them on the Lord's Supper, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Uh, He says there that this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But again, we may say to ourselves, surely there had to be another way. But God said there wasn't. And we need to access that blood. The purpose of the cross is because he loved us. Well, this morning, um, you know, I've I've heard of a pulpit before uh, where... Uh, it's not visible for anyone to see except for the preacher when he comes up, the visiting preacher, and inscribed on the pulpit will simply say, point them to the cross. And again, that's the message that Paul had for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, that he desired to know nothing among them except Christ crucified. And that should be the, the, the point of any gospel preacher or any Christian is to point people to the cross. But again, have we forgotten? It was the most tragic event in the history of the world But again, yet the most wonderful thing that ever happened. What Christ did for you and me should never be forgotten. The promise of the cross. Again, this was God's plan all along from the foundation of the world. The person of the cross. This unblemished, spotless Lamb of God. The pain of the cross. That unfathomable pain that Jesus went through for you and I. The power of the cross. It draws us. It compels us. And no one can offer what Jesus offers. And the purpose of the cross is to make reconciliation possible because sin has separated you and I from our God. And for in order for us to be reconciled to him, that we must contact that blood of Jesus so that uh, we can have our sins washed away. And you might have noticed I gave you five P's uh, as far as have we forgotten the promise, the person, the pain, the power and the purpose. One more I want to give us this morning is the plead of the cross, the cross pleading to you this morning. To recognize the destruction and separating nature of sin. Remember the great sacrifice of Jesus that he made on the cross. And respond to it in great love and obedience. Again, Jesus said in John chapter 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Recognize, remember, respond, and then reciprocate that great sacrifice. As Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him in baptism through the 
the glory of the Father, we may too walk in newness of life. We need to reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in order to contact that soul-saving blood. And to do that, we need to be baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. This morning, as we uh, conclude this lesson, as we offer the invitation this morning, if anyone here this morning has not contacted the blood of Jesus through baptism, we would love the opportunity to assist you this morning. Or maybe if you want to sit down and study what it means to become a Christian. Again, we would love the opportunity to do that, uh, whether... uh, during the response here this morning or maybe afterwards or uh, by a phone call or email. Uh, We would love the opportunity to uh, help you in that way. Or if you're part of the body here and you need the strength of this congregation, you need the prayers of this congregation, again, uh, please let us know. Again, do we, have we forgotten uh, the cross here this morning? Have we forgotten? Let's keep that in our minds as we go throughout this week. And again, if we can help you in any way this morning, please let us know as together we stand and